Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In this episode, so many of us are working for ourselves now, or we're doing side jobs, what's called side hustles these days. So what becomes hard when you're your own boss is saving any money for the future. I want to talk about strategies on that. And later, I had a simple tip for you to make your car maintenance a whole lot cheaper. So, saving for retirement is something that is a tale of two cities, essentially, because those who work for a large employer, roughly half of people in the country, have easy access to a retirement plan at work, usually, hopefully, a low-cost one. Um, federal workers have access to the incredible TSP. Uh, normal earthlings have access to low-cost 401ks, hopefully, again, at any large employer uh, so heavily dominating the 401k space now, Fidelity Investments and Vanguard, both offering very low-cost 401k plans. But what about you and me who do our own thing? And let's say you're a one-person entity. It's just you. How do you save? Well, for you, there are Two things I've talked about through the years, and one is the SEP, S-E-P, Simplified Employee Pension. And the SEP is unbelievably flexible for you as an ultra simple if you're a one-person kind of thing, but you can even use a SEP and use it effectively and without a lot of paperwork, and without any crazy administrative costs, if you're a small business with a small number of employees. Because what a SEP is, is it's a half-page form that you fill out and takes you just a couple of minutes. You can then set up an account with one of my favorite low-cost children, Fidelity, Schwab, or Vanguard. And you can have your SEP with them, go into any of their low-cost funds, no administrative costs for the SEP, and you, as the owner of a company, can put aside one quarter, up to one quarter, or as little as zero dollars, of what you've made in the business, sheltering it from current tax, and having that money grow for the future, for ultimately your retirement. 
steps are hyper easy to do and almost nobody who works for himself or herself even knows they're there or puts money into them. Now, I said you can put in a quarter of what you make. There is a cap. This is a good kind of problem to have. If you're running your own business and you're making quarter million dollars or more, well, let me tell you, they cap you right now at about 60, 61,000, thinks the current cap on the SEP. But that's a problem I haven't really dealt with with a lot of people asking me questions who have SEPs. But again, any of the low-cost outfits will offer you the possibility of a SEP. There's another thing I want to talk about. If you work just for yourself, there's only you, no one else in a minute. But I would be really remiss if I didn't mention the value of an HSA if you were self-employed. If it's just you, you can buy a high deductible health plan and then have with it something better than really any other retirement plan out there is a health savings account. If you understand the right way to use an HSA. What is the right way to use an HSA, you might ask? Glad you did ask that. So what you do is you put the money you're allowed to put in each year, which is about 3600 bucks you're allowed to put in as an individual. You put that money into the HSA. You invest it. You want to be with a low-cost provider. Fidelity is a great choice for this. You invest the money like you would in a retirement account, and you just keep putting that money in year after year after year that you're HSA eligible, and you get the benefit of an upfront tax deduction, and then the money grows tax-free all through the years, and then when you're in retirement and you're old and you're with your friends and you're all talking about what doctor appointment you're going to, the money you have out of pocket you use tax-free the HSA money to pay for those expenses. And that money, remember, is grown through the decades tax-free. It's awesome. Now, there's one other thing for you. If you are a one-person company, you should know about. You now, with the low-cost companies, can have a self-employed 401k sometimes also referred to as the solo 401k. It allows you to have an ultra low-cost 401k, even though you're only one person. And with that ultra low-cost 401k, you can do normal investing in it. And you can do either um, the Roth version or the traditional. Now, a lot of people who are really doing well as a single-person company, are going to move towards doing the traditional. So you get the big tax deduction up front. And the amount you're able to contribute is not the normal thing like you'd have at a normal big company job. You, again, can contribute much more of what you make up to the same 61000 as you would do in a SEP whole different process but again you've got to really be comfortable that you're a one-person business and you're going to stay a one-person business where should you never go this is a never 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 not ever 
rule where you never go for your HSA, for your SEP, or for your solo or self-employed 401k. You never, 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 not ever go to a bank. Under no conditions do you go to a bank. You think Jesse James knew how to take money from banks? Let me tell you how the banks will take from you if you do a retirement account or an HSA with them. They're not where you go unless you're just feeling really charitable and you want to have less money and you want somebody else to have more. Where else should you never go? An insurance company. Never, 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 not ever do your HSA, your self-employed 401k, or your SEP with an insurance company. And last place you shouldn't go? Any bank-affiliated brokerage. Because it's not as bad as doing one of these things directly with the bank. It's just almost as bad. And eats up so much of your money that should stay with you, that would stay with you if you go to a discounter to open up any of these accounts. And uh, it was funny because I don't know if you heard Elon Musk said, well, if suddenly I got taken out, you know, it's the Russians. Right. So uh, in my case, who's it going to be? Is it going to be the banks, the insurance companies? Wherever they are, we would hunt them down, Clark. You'd hunt them down. I would. Be my mission in life. (laughs) Okay, we'll go to these questions. This is from Scott in Connecticut. Hi, Clark. Last year, I bought a few lots on eBay that contained multiple Lego sets. I'm keeping a few for myself and selling off the ones I do not need. I know tax laws are changing and I will need to report this income. My question is, will I be able to deduct what I paid for the sets and or any of my expenses associated with selling them? For example, eBay uh, fees associated with the sale of the items, boxes for shipping, USPS charges to mail, etc. Yes, yes, and yes. Scott, you got your act together. And the best thing is that you're selling them off because that means you can't step on them barefooted <laughs> and hurt yourself. Uh, this is this is an occupational hazard of having children, if you're not aware, is when they go through the Lego stage, that they end up strategically placed everywhere you're accidentally going to step on one It's in a the pain house. like no other. It is a pain. Really like is. I'm trying to think the closest equivalent I can come up with is if you go to a beach that has those burrs in the sand and you're barefoot instead yeah, of wearing you're usually sandals. usually exhausted when you step on one of these things, like holding a cup of coffee, <laughs> at least in my case. All right. Oh, with the Legos? <laughs> but um, it's so great. I mean, so many people who really understand the Lego market have been able to make money buying Legos in bulk and reselling. Uh, this is from Eric in Washington. I'm a military guy stationed in Kuwait. There are MAS dealers here on base. My question is, are there any advantages to using them for car purchases? The sales rep didn't seem to have a solid answer. I would still be taxed at the rate of where it's registered, in my case, Washington State. Well, Eric, first, thank you for your service to our country. Second, the calendar is getting to a point that it's going to be blazing hot for you in Kuwait. Um, Third, uh, for people who aren't aware what MAS is, it's an on-post um, car buying service that makes it smooth and easy for military personnel stationed overseas 
to buy a car. There's no magic about the car buying service. And unless you specifically need a car now, I wouldn't say, and you're going to have it shipped to you in Kuwait, I, I would not say that there's any real advantage using MAS as a way to buy the car. If, on the other hand, you need to do it by remote control or you're having the car shipped to you, yes, then the MAS process is a good process for buying a vehicle. But in the open marketplace, not necessarily advantageous versus using traditional car buying services or even shopping for one yourself online. This is from Abe in New Mexico. I'm having an issue with a hospital emergency bill. They are double billing me for a procedure, but they won't change the amount billed. I've heard you talk about billing advocates being helpful. Can you advise me, please? So for a single bill like this, you're doing the right thing trying to resolve it. I want you to call the hospital and ask for the patient advocate. If they don't have a patient advocate title person, they would have a hospital social worker is a common phrase they'll use. And you will be able, with the help of an internal advocate, to hopefully get the double billing resolved. But this has been an ongoing thing. I I was just a guest on a podcast yesterday that was all about the misadventures people have with how fouled up medical billing is and how you've got to protect yourself and be all over it. And I don't know if you have written to them, Abe. It sounds like you have talked to people. I would send an old-fashioned letter through the mail, even consider sending it by certified mail. And I would put in that letter... If this item ever appears on your credit report and harms your reputation and your credit, that you will sue them for the economic costs that you're suffering. But you may not even have to get to that because getting to the hospital social worker or patient advocate, whichever title they use, you can probably even find it online, the hospital website, what they call it should be able to get this kind of billing snafu resolved. And it's a shame because this kind of thing is exceedingly common. Do you know that half of all problems with people's credit now are because of medical bills and often because of foul-ups in the billing operation, the back office operations of doctor's offices, labs, hospitals, surgery centers, diagnostic centers, anything medical. It's an industry that does a good job keeping people alive and helping people get well, but really, really lousy at the back office side of the medical industry. Coming up next, I got a special warning for you. If you drive a car, do you know that there's an old commercial about this? I'm not going to paraphrase that commercial, but neglecting to do simple maintenance, a simple maintenance step can cost you big time. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, I'm here as your summertime nag. How about that? I've never called myself a summertime nag, but so many of us are going to hit the road in numbers too large to ignore. Probably the largest number of mass movement of people, that was bad grammar, hitting the road, hitting the air, summertime travel because, well, people didn't exactly appreciate being cooped up in 20 and 21. So people are going to be out there. And so there are things we may have gotten out of the habit of, or we never have been in the habit in. And I got the simplest thing I want you to do. I want you to check the condition of your tires before you take a summertime trip. And if you've been kind of neglectful about doing tire rotation, get it done. Doesn't take that long. Doesn't cost that much. You don't want uneven wear by forgetting to rotate your tires and being in a position like you go through an area where the roads are wet. You don't have the traction you need. You don't want to put yourself or uh, let's throw the guilt card out. Got your family in the vehicle with you. You don't want to put your loved ones at risk. And how about for your wallet? You get rotations done regularly, whatever you're supposed to. You get those done, you're going to get a lot more life out of the tires. You neglect it, you don't get the rotations done, you're going to have premature wear, you're going to be spending money to replace tires sooner than you would, and you face this conundrum. So often, you get a better deal buying a set of four tires at a time instead of two. So often, people who don't get around to rotating end up with two bad tires on many vehicles and two that still have a lot of life left on them. So then you're replacing those two and you're missing the price discounts you often get buying a set of four. So simple thing to do, easy to do. And now so many cars have the idiot light that tells you when a tire is low when it's deflated, and that's not as much something you'll see as temperatures are warmer. And so if you have a tire that the idiot lights on in warmer temperatures, that tire is way low on air. You may have a vehicle that tells you what the um, pounds per square inch is in that tire, uh, PSI, or 
it just may, you know, you may have a number, may just tell you it's low. It's really easy now for you to get that tire filled back up. And if you're a Costco member, you can go there and some, a lot of them have the self-serve to pump your tires back up. Others, you go there and the tire people, the tire center will make sure your tires are properly inflated. Just do these simple things before you go on the road. And also, I saw a suggestion, I forget where I read it, that when you're getting ready to take your summertime trip, this is the time that you want to make sure your wiper blades are still good. Because particularly if you're going to go into really humid environments with the afternoon thunderstorms, it's really good if you can see out the windshield instead of not really see out of it because you don't have up-to-date wiper blades. And one other motivation for the tire thing, Krista just replaced her tires, and it was pretty shocking how expensive it is to replace tires now, isn't it? It was really, really expensive, yes. Yeah, um, as vehicles have gotten bigger, heavier, more complicated, the tires that you put on those vehicles much, much more expensive than they used to be. And I remember my first car, oh, this is going to be one of those things where I'm going to sound like I'm 900 years old. No. It's okay to do it? Absolutely. So I got my first car in 1974. That is a long time ago. (laughs) Wow. You were many years negative in 1974. I was too. Oh, you were, you were actually born then. Okay, you were two years old. Anyway, so my tires were 15-inch wheel tires. And when I had to replace them as radials, I was so upset, it was $25 a tire wow. installed. Now, obviously, you add in all the inflation, but the big difference is that the cars are so much bigger, so much heavier, the wheels wider circumference you're on like 20 21 inch wheels in your car i think 19s you know as these wheels are larger the tires themselves it's more rubber there it's more steel all that so uh it's not as simple a life as it was before but at least now we don't have what my first car had i had a datsun b210 wow you don't know what that is Look it up. (laughs) They weren't exactly the most beautiful cars ever made, but it was the cheapest new car you could buy in America. Shocking, I would own it. (laughs) And it was, the floorboards were metal with just a thin vinyl on top of them. The seats were vinyl. The side panels were metal with a little bit of vinyl on them. And you could get the car inside any color you wanted as long as it was the color of your shirt (laughs) black black that was the only choice you had there were no options at all did you get an extra burn on the side if you touched the metal in the summer it was it was hot and of course it was crank windows you know there were no power windows or anything like that it was a it was a stick shift because Back then, an automatic was a lot more money. And it's funny because I paid $3,350.10 for that car new. Wow. And uh, it was before I learned you buy used cars. And 
today people without even thinking about it add an option to their car that's more than i paid for that entire automobile back then that's enough down memory lane (laughs) isn't it All right, we'll go to this question from Jillian in Florida. Speaking of cars, we're in Florida and have a leased VW that ends in June. We were planning on purchasing this vehicle at the end of our lease, and we're running into fees from the dealerships up to $3,000. I never heard you mention this when you talk about buying your leased vehicle. What gives? And she attached um, a sample from one of the dealerships down there. With the buyout price, um, the buyout price was 11k, and then they added fees on top of it that brought the car to fourteen thousand three hundred and thirty-nine dollars and ninety cents. All right, so this is a terrible, terrible story, and happens in a handful of states. The dealers in certain states, the dealer groups are really powerful, and they've gotten laws through in a handful of states that allow the dealers to have a monopoly on how lease vehicles are turned in and charge whatever junk fees they want. So it's open market where one dealer may not charge all the ripoff fees, another one might. So there is a technique that people have done, and a lot of people who live in Florida also have roots in another state, that you turn a lease vehicle in elsewhere. Do not turn it in in the state of Florida because Florida doesn't even have a cap on the junk fees a dealer can charge on turning in a lease vehicle. It is an abomination. So the amount of money involved is so much, Jillian, that if you've got the ability to go to a nearby state or you have roots in another state, arrange the turn in of that lease vehicle somewhere else where you will not have to pay any of these $3,000 plus in junk fees. And the dealers keep saying how important they are and how valuable they are, and they keep fighting these moves in states to allow manufacturers to sell vehicles directly to the public. The reality is that is an interference in the free market, and people should be able to buy a vehicle however they wish, either through a local dealer or direct from a manufacturer if that's what they wish to do. This is from Nate in Missouri. Clark, do you think the index funds are worse than Marxism as this article from last year in the Atlantic lays out and he links to the article. If the whole economy is moving toward index funds, does it decrease price discovery information and create super monopolies that are too big to fail as outlined in the article? It seems as if index investing is good for individual investors, but perhaps bad for the economy as a whole. I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so this is something that came up a couple of years ago, and I had a number of people ask me about it then, Nate. So, yes, it is true that if suddenly every single person did all their investing through index funds, it would be a mess. Uh, The reality is that has not happened, even though the share of investing being in index funds has risen it's not likely to get to where it will completely dominate and monopolize funding uh, investing here in the united states or in other countries where indexing is rising so much in popularity indexing grew in popularity because for a smaller individual investor 
it's too hard to make money over the long haul unless you are doing it 10 to 20 hours a week devoted to investing to be able to outperform over the long haul what you can do simply by owning the market. But there are many people who spend 10, 20, 50, uh, 80 hours a week on this trying to figure out what the best individual investment opportunities are and they create what's known as price discovery in the marketplace and they create the uh, dynamic investment markets that we have in the United States. So yes, the alarmist kind of commentaries that are written like the one you saw in the Atlantic are 100% accurate if the market went all index, but I'm very doubtful, even with the high market share that index funds have now, they would ever get to a point that it would destroy the competition in the investing marketplace and eliminate price discovery. And this is from Greg in California. This isn't a question, but a sneaky trick I did with my daughter. Her mom had purchased her a small, outrageously expensive bottle of shampoo. I immediately snuck in and poured in Costco shampoo and continued to do so, and that bottle magically lasted eight years. I did the same with the tiny jar of $12 Whole Foods peanut butter that I replaced with with better-tasting Skippy that my kids love. Although I felt a bit guilty, my wallet was elated. Keep up the great work, Clark and team. So do you remember when I told the story about what I did to my three kids with cereal, how many people were angry and posted Clark stinks. Mm-hmm. So if you've not heard this, you can now be angry and post a Clark stinks. So I did the same kind of stuff as Greg. We're not the same person with kids. Cereal is that they would want the brand name and then I would refill it continually with store brand cereal. And only one of my three kids could tell. Which one of the three do you think immediately could tell? Grant. Grant is a brand name man to the max. And he, at like three years old, could tell that I had sub cereal in. My two older kids never, ever said a word. So I, I'm a little... I'm, I have mixed feelings about this with Greg, especially the, the shampoo. Well, both of them, honestly. Like the shampoo, it might be, shampoo is important like for me to get the kind that doesn't have the harsh chemicals and stuff. And there's certain brands people like. And then the peanut butter, it might have been like a no sugar, healthier version than Skippy. So I don't know. I have to say that I'm not super enthusiastic about this, about people doing this. Really? Really? I'm sorry. I did the cereal thing like you did too, though, because to me, it's the same thing. It's the same product. It doesn't matter. So, But shampoo, that's a different You thing. don't mess with my so hair. So it's funny because the Aldi Insider, which is the uh, weekly newsletter that writes about all things Aldi and also to write some Trader Joe's stuff, was writing about the controversial Trader Joe's I don't know if you've ever seen it. It sells like crazy that shampoo, conditioner, and body wash all in one. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that at um, Trader Joe's? Yeah. Huge seller there. And women apparently freak out about it because the idea of using one d- 
detergent thingy, because that's all we're talking about is different mm-hmm. detergents, is using a detergent for to wash your hair, to condition your hair, to wash your body, apparently just absolutely freaks people. And I talked to Lane about it, and she said, I would never use that Trader Joe's three-in-one. No way. I've got to use this and this and mm-hmm. this and this. For you know, and so as a guy, we don't think about stuff like that, right? Right, meaning the way you said that. Don't replace Lane's shampoo with some. Would you do that to her? Are you kidding? I know, right? Are you kidding? I wouldn't even make it (laughs) sleeping on the sofa. I would be outside sleeping. Yeah. Yeah, I did enough of that as a camper when I was young. That's not happening again. But I want to thank you so much for being with us today. And if you've got a specific question, you'd like to have free one-on-one advice answering that question, we are here to serve you 30 hours a week answering your questions for free one-on-one at our Team Clark Consumer Action Center. These are Eastern Time Zone hours, 10 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon. And you can go to Clark.com slash CAC to see all the details and grab the phone number to call in.